With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Bears Nation Podcast. Powered by ONTAP Sports Network. Now we go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the Green Bay Packers are preparing for an important game with the Chicago Bears. It's Packer Week. Payton, Hanson through the middle, touchdown! On the doorstep, Walter Payton, and Payton looked like Fosbury doing the flop for the Bears' touchdown. This just the tradition with this rivalry. It means a lot to us as a team, the fan base, to the people upstairs. It just means a lot to everyone in the building, for real. This one promises to be a real thriller. The rivalry between these two teams is the longest in postgraduate football. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Duh. Winning. Here's your hosts, Kevin Lapka. Winning. Starting to get the concept now? And Jay Kassan. Good luck. You're going to need it. I'm going to be over here, like, winning. It's Bears Nation, baby. Let's go. All right, welcome in. It is Bears Nation podcast, our final game preview of the season. It is January 3rd, 2024, and I can't believe we're saying it, but it's the season finale for the Bears, and this game actually matters. We talked about a couple months ago how you just want to be playing meaningful games in December and January, and no, it's not the playoffs, and no, it's not you know a quest for a Super Bowl. But it's January 3rd, and we're talking about a game in a couple days that does matter, whether that's for morale or for, you know, just as Kevin Lapka likes to say all the time, momentum into the following year. But it does mm-hmm. mean something, and and I think it does mean something even to the players and the fans both. It's not just the fans making up something to try and be invested in. Uh, yeah, you're 7-9. and nine, You're going to be under 500. You're going to have a losing record. But the quest to get to 8-9 and nine, and – it's such a a emotionally charged game, I think, for fans especially, because you have an opportunity this week in the final week of the season, week 18, to play spoiler to the Green Bay Packers on the road at Lambeau Field to go into their house and knock them out of the playoffs and keep them out of the playoffs. And we'll get into it, but it's reminiscent of the Lions last year. A Lions team that was under 500, had a losing record, and they did the same thing, and look what happened to them the following season. So we'll get into that. But, I mean, I know it's not what we all wanted, Kevin, but it's – it means something. It's a game that means something. We're talking about a game that I can't believe I'm going to be actually sitting down watching this game emotionally invested. That's not anywhere near where I thought. I, I thought by this, you know, I asked me this seven, six, seven weeks ago. I would have said, yeah, I probably yep. won't watch this game. I won't care. But now you get Nance and Romo at 3.30 Central Time on Sunday to end the season. 
I mean, what else can you ask for given the way this year started? Like, we mm-hmm. have to flash back a little bit sure. to weeks on this podcast, weeks like four through seven, where we weren't talking about the games. Every episode was about who's getting fired, when are they getting fired. Every episode is about the we quarterback. Were doing predictions. Every episode is about the future. We were doing predictions for, for that. Like, and you can't blame us, really. Like, everyone. in hindsight, everyone was doing it. In hindsight, with the way Eberflus has gone – uh, the way he's gotten better, maybe we were over-exaggerating a little bit. Like, I still think the mistakes that he made earlier in the year were warranted. Like, him getting fired would have been warranted. Like, I'll be if completely honest. I, I, if, if things continued that way. Yeah. But the players got better. One of my biggest criticisms was young players weren't growing. That has completely changed. Maybe not quite on the offensive side of the ball uh, with the play with skill position players, but on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, the young players are growing, and maybe Ibrahimovic is a better player developer than we thought, um, and that's part of the reason why I think he's going to be here next year. But yeah, man, I mean, really, all you can ask for is the opportunity to knock out your division, knock out your biggest rival, and for the longest time since Fields has been here, what have I said every time the Bears have played the Packers? I said, you have the opportunity, or at least, sorry, at least since Rodgers left, or since Rodgers was, you know, knowingly going to leave, even that so last, the last two here, seasons. Last two seasons, I said, you have the chance to start the changing of the guard, right? You said, you're Ryan Poles. You said you want to take the North and never give it back. Mm-hmm. Well, that hasn't happened yet. This could be your chance to sort of get into that because if you can walk into Green Bay, walk into Lambeau, beat the Green Bay Packers, knock them out of the playoffs with your quarterback who we now think is going to be here for a little while, with your coach who we now think is going to be here, with a lot of the guys on this team who are rookies, young players, on three- to four-year contracts. This is a strong nucleus of guys who are going to be here. If you walk into Lambeau and you make a damn statement against a team that I still think isn't that good, that's the changing of the guard. That's what we've been waiting for. That's the moment where you say, you know what? You might have a good player in Jordan Love. We, we He might be a good player, but we have a better team, and we are going to be the better team for the next four to five years, no matter how it shakes out. So, and if you lose that game, I think there's some scary conversations to be had, right? About, is this going to continue? Is this going to be the same Green Bay-Chicago dynamic we've seen for the last 10 years? And obviously, like Jordan Love isn't Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you'd be more competitive in games in the future, even if you lost. But getting over that hump, like this is your chance to do it, and it absolutely has to happen, and we'll see later in the episode we think it will happen. But yes, you can't ask for much more than what we're getting with this game in Week 18. Yeah, and it is a big measuring stick. Obviously, we know the McCaskey family values these games against Green Bay very highly. They care about them a lot. I mean, look what happened in the Trestman era after you lost by 40 and you got 50-burgered to end the year. And then Mark Trestman was in Phil Emery. That was their last game. They were immediately fired. Not immediately, but they were fired shortly thereafter. And... You know, Justin Fields, the turnaround, he's played well in the last couple of weeks. And Matt Eberflus, according to the report, we'll, we'll get into that later from Ian Rappaport, that Eberflus is safe. He's going to be back next year. This is still a measuring stick. I mean, if you lose by 50, I think things change that, in that case. But from, yeah. from a standpoint, I mean, at the end of the day, because Justin Fields enters this game in five career games against the Green Bay Packers with a pass rating of just 72.8, 
938 yards, four touchdowns to seven interceptions in five games against the Packers. So this is a huge measuring stick for him. If he goes in there and he plays well, is part of the equation for keeping the Packers out of the playoffs, that's a big green check mark for him from the McCaskies. Matt Eberflus, after starting the year one and five, goes the rest of the way seven and four, ends the year by keeping the Packers out of the playoffs in Lambeau. That's going to be a big green check mark. And you mentioned in your statement there that you know, a quarterback that's here for the future. I don't know how long, but it seems like we're definitely getting at least one more year of Matty Reflus and Justin Fields. Uh, and I mean, we can get into this right now because I'm fully, if you believe the report from Ian Rapport over the weekend that Matty Reflus is sticking around and he's going to be the coach next year. I see no reason. And, and this is my final take on this. And I think this is the take I'm going to take into the draft that there's no reason to go new quarterback, new an old coach. There's no reason to. I think if Eberflus is coming back, it's you give them both one more year, and if you're a, if you're a losing team again next year, you kick everybody to the curb. Kevin Warren starts this whole thing from scratch. Ryan Poles is gone. Matt Eberflus is gone. Justin Fields is gone. You go the whole thing real up for the first time ever, really, and at least in recent memory, everybody will be aligned. General manager, coach, quarterback, the three most important, you know, positions, whatever you want to call it, jobs for a football team. So if you believe that, and I do, I think we're getting at least at least one more year of Maddie Bufloos and Justin Fields with the results of next year hinging on that. So now I'm all in because also, and we can get, and we'll talk about this later as the winter goes on, as we get closer to the draft. I don't even think that you have to slam dunk, take Marvin Harrison jr. Number one overall either, because have you seen neighbors or a play over the last week, even let alone the season? Like I've seen Kevin, I don't know about you, but I've seen tweets. I've seen articles. They're like, are we sure Marvin Harrison jr. Is that far ahead of these other uh, two guys? Yes, because they're also really good. I'm not, but and probably yes. But the point being, you could get a slam dunk receiver at mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight with your own pick. That'll likely be around 12 to 15. So you're going to have options. I think that's going to be exciting, but I'm fully planting the flag again. You know, notwithstanding a full implosion on Sunday, which I don't think will happen, but I, I'm in. I'm in on Justin Fields, Matty Reflus, 2024, 2025. Yeah, and, and when I saw that report and the initial report from Ian Rapport about, you know, he's expected, that was the terminology used, he's expected yes. to be back, right? Uh, which pretty much means he'll probably be back, barring any collapse. Uh, and, and Rapport clarified in his full article uh, that, the two games meant something that these last two games meant something. So again, like you're saying, like you started with, if you lose by 50, which you're not going to, but in some 0.01% chance scenario, you lose by 50, that could change. Like it's not a hundred percent of lock. Eberflus is going to be here. We just expect that to be the case. But when I first saw that, I said, Oh, that means Justin's back. Like that means Justin Fields is back. You're not doing this again with a lame duck head coach. Going into his new th- final year with a rookie quarterback, and if the rookie quarterback struggles, you're going to fire their head coach, and you're going to hire another one, and then just yep. do the same thing. We've we've done this, we've seen this. Same thing. And again, every two years. people are like, "Well, it's the Bears. It's the same thing. Why? Why? Why would you not expect them to do that?" I think Ryan Poles is smart. If he makes the wrong decision next year, I think there's a chance he could still be in some hot water. Mm-hmm. But I think he's smart. And I still am still holding on to the idea that Kevin Warren is also smart and is not going to let that happen again. You have to run it back with both guys. And guess what? Now that you have the first overall pick, we've talked about this for a while. 
you can trade it again. Yep. And you're going to get a first-round pick next year again. So if things do go wrong, guess what? You can take a quarterback next year. Or you could take a quarterback in the mid-rounds this year. Like, or it both. is not the end-all be-all if you don't take a quarterback and things collapse this year. I don't think they will. I think the reason why you are, you know, going to sell the first-round pick and go all in on Justin Fields is because we've seen that this is a good football team, the way it is currently constructed. And if you add a couple more pieces, you add a Marvin Harrison or a Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze who makes that catch that Tyra Scott didn't make mm -hmm. in the end zone, you're talking about probably a top four, top three team in the NFC that's going to win the division. And when we know the Bears had the Lions number. So when I saw the initial report from Rapport, I thought Fields is back. I think that's a lock, and I don't know how you can think differently. So let me ask you this when it comes to the first-round pick. Because obviously, the, the talk that you're going to hear for the next four months around Sports Talk Radio is Fields or Williams, Fields or Williams, Fields or Williams. And you're going to take those two head-to-head. -head. And here's what you have to do, Jake. You don't take Fields versus Williams head-to-head. -head. You take Fields plus three first-round picks versus Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. That is the conversation you have to have. It's not about Fields-Williams. It's about the return that you can get for the first overall pick, plus a player who is good and capable in the NFL in Justin Fields versus the rookie Caleb Williams. And if you don't acknowledge that, it is an incorrect evaluation of the situation because you can get, according to Ian Rappaport, within the top five, you could trade down within the top five and Commanders still get three first-round picks within the top five. I don't know how you look at that and see what Justin Fields has done and look at three first-round picks and maybe a blue-chip player within the top five and say, no, we're going to go the same route, mortgage the future on a rookie, go through the same thing over and over again when you have the chance to make your team one of the best rosters in the NFL. Like, if you add Marvin Harrison Jr. and pick your player, Deron Payne or something, Max Crosby even from Vegas, I doubt they trade him, but right? Pick your player. You have a bunch of picks throughout this draft. You still have top money in free agency. You're talking about potentially having one of the best rosters in the NFL if you make that trade number one overall. Jake, it is a no-brainer to me. It is not even a debate. I don't want to hear it. And it goes beyond my liking of Justin Fields. I know people are going to hear that and think, hey, you've been on Fields for so long. It's your bias. No. Objectively, how do you turn down three first-round picks and still have a pick within the top five? Jake, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think the team that everybody's going to be circling, if you're Bears fans, is Washington. New owner, likely new head coach, Sam Howell's iffy, and they might be desperate. And they might be willing to give up a, Pan a Panthers-esque call to you. Maybe not a player. I mean, maybe. I mean, is there a world where you get Terry McLaurin back? Maybe. I don't know if you'd want him over you know, Dunze or Neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know. That's not for me to say. But maybe. I'm point being, they're a desperate team that might be willing to overpay for that first overall pick and that shot to take their quarterback of choice. But point being... And you mentioned it too in the Rappaport report was the last two games matter, including the Atlanta game. And Justin Fields had one of his best games, if not the best game of the season against Atlanta, 20 for 32, 268 yards, touchdown through the air, touchdown on the ground, no interceptions. Again, if you take out the two Hail Mary interceptions from Cleveland, he's had one interception in his last five games. It's pretty good. Giants might be as T3P podcast puts. Yeah, Giants might be desperate. I don't know if they're exactly as desperate because of the whole Daniel Jones situation they got to figure out. But I don't know. 
Point being, yes, you can be in the top five and still trade out of that pick and and have your shot at you know a, a premium player, whether that's Marvin Harrison Jr. or not. So I know I've had my criticisms about Justin Fields. I'm willing to run it back for another year with Eberflus, and if it fails again, and I, and again, we kind of hinted at this last week. You look at this in hindsight, eight wins and the way that you're ending the season, I just don't know that it's a failure of a season. It was disappointing. It was a roller coaster. It was emotional. And especially when you consider the Denver game, that first Lions game, that games you should have won, maybe it's disappointing in that sense that you could, you know, you could have done better. But about what we've expected from this, or at least I expected, uh, you know, eight, seven to eight wins. And, And you figure that out. And if you end on a high note here with knocking the Packers out, like, Go back to last season. If you ask any Lions fan, you know, after that game where they pick off Aaron Rodgers three times and they knock them out of the playoffs and then knock the Packers out of the playoffs, you could have asked any Lions fan, hey, was this season a disappointment? I don't think any of them would have said no, would have said yes. They would have been like, yeah, I mean, this they had a winning record, but yeah. They, like, this was awesome. They ended 9-8, yeah. So, you know, I, I think the same will be – I think it will be – true for Bears fans as well. I'll be happy if you beat the Packers, and especially because I would have been right by predicting eight wins for this team, but yeah, I mean, the Vikings game too, that was weird. You should have won the Cleveland game probably, but all things being said, all this you know, to say that you have an opportunity to end the season on a high note, end the season with optimism, and like Kevin said, with the opportunity to add even more blue chip players to this team. And obviously, you got to resign Jalen Johnson. You have some decisions to make on some other free agents as well. Um, but all in all, the way the rookies progressed, the way that Justin Fields has progressed in the last five weeks specifically, gives you optimism, especially if you win this game. In convincing fashion, too. If you win this game in convincing fashion, like if you put a oh beat down God. like you did the Falcons or the Cardinals, I mean, you feel great and you feel awesome. And it's going to carry you all the way to August. And you're going to, you know, like you thought the Bears hype train was loud last summer. Imagine what it'll be this year. If you end the, if you end the year going seven and four, knocking out your arch rival with as much, if not more money and free agency to spend and more draft capital. Theoretically, at least. So I'm in. I, I'm i optimistic. Again, if they go out and get blown out, and you know, because because the same could be true the opposite way. You could go in there and get curb stomped because it's a, the Packers. And we've seen this story before where you get excited about an opportunity to beat the Packers, and make a statement, and you just get your ass handed to you. We've seen that. We saw it 17 weeks ago. And, and this time it's at Lambeau. That could happen. But. We're focused. I'm the one saying this. I'm choosing to focus on the positive here and yeah. acknowledge the fact that you have a real opportunity to do something here. And and I'm famously against the, oh, momentum into the offseason. This is a lot of momentum into the offseason. Like you're pinning this one up on the whiteboards for, for the entire winter, you know, in spring. So, and you look what the Lions did in free agency after they won that game, and people started to buy into them. They got a lot of you know big ticket free agents this offseason. They pulled CJ Gardner Johnson, a guy who played in the Super Bowl last year, over to them and, and was you know could have resigned with the Eagles, could have ran that back with the team that's going to win the NFC East. Well, maybe if they if they uh, don't choke this last game, mm-hmm. but he decided to go to a budding Lions team. This type of game significantly helps the Bears in the offseason if you win it, right? Because yep. then people are going to take notice. This is a primetime game, essentially. It's on CBS with Nansen Robo in the afternoon slate. of A ton of America will have feel. that game. Uh, big game feel, right? A lot of people will be watching, and people will take notice of what the Bears do if they win. And if they win, Jake, if they win, like, 
don't even do not talk to me about Caleb Williams for four months if they win the game. Like if they win that game, agree. There is no conversation. You can reopen the conversation. I think the conversation is silly regardless of if they win or lose. But you can have the conversation if they lose, and we can go back and forth. We can talk about. It. We can at least make it a topic. Of, uh, Depends discussion. on the nature of the loss, they, too. Right. Exactly. But if they win that game, come on. I mean, like, let's be real. Like, let, let's. I mean, let, let's the, 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 we got it. The video is from the locker room after the Atlanta game, a game that was essentially meaningless for most parties involved. You got cigars and dancing and lights and like club dub, like vibes of that back. I mean, if you like, if the Bears win this game, to your point, you think Ryan Poles isn't in that locker room afterwards? You think there's not videos coming out of Ryan Poles hugging Matt Eberflus on the sideline? That's absolutely happening. Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. So, again, a lot hinges on this game. It's a really important game um, for all those reasons. Um, and I'm sure we'll overreact and underreact and do it all we do, you know, based off of what happens. But at least we know that there's significance to it. Right. And I want to go back to this comment by T3P podcast. When you talk about this season not being a disappointment and it's not because when you look at last year, you have the win improvement of five games at least, or sorry, four games at least, and it could be five. And you're doubling your win total, and you look a lot better, and the momentum's great. I think the where it comes in for me is, yeah, not only is it the losses to Denver and to Detroit and to Cleveland, the mm-hmm. games that you should have won, and we all talk about the percentage of chance to win and how it wasn't you know, statistically impossible to lose all those games. It was more so the recognition that, hey, I was, we were right. We were right about the evaluation of the team. And if Justin Fields doesn't get hurt, like, first of all, the era of Tyson Bates, like that conversation, I cannot believe that was a real era. Like, I cannot believe we lived in an era where people were talking about Tyson Bates being the, the future quarterback at the end of the Chicago Bears. Sorry, I just said it. That, I mean, that was like, the that, was that not bottom of the barrel when it came to like it was Bears? A, it was a low point in the season. It was a low point in Bears history. Like, <laughs> There, this, the front the front of the Chicago Sun-Times was Bajan of change. How watching Tyson Bajan is more fun than Justin Fields. That was literally the subheader of the Chicago well. Sun-Times. So the guy who wrote that article needs to be fired. But but when you go back to that Chargers game, knowing what we know about the Chargers now, yeah. they lost 31 to 10 to the Chargers because Bajan was throwing turnovers throughout the game. Like, they probably win that game with Fields the way he's been playing. You go back to the Saints game. You know, they lost that game by seven. Yeah. And Bajan didn't play that bad in that game, but... You probably win that game with still fields, were turnovers right? in that game, yeah, yeah. And then you might beat the Vikings if he doesn't go out before halftime. Like it's it's it's, <laughs> it's really interesting to go back and look at that. And there's really you know there's really you know what do you do? It's an injury. You, you can't really yeah just revisionist be like, oh, history. Healthy. Revisionist history, exactly. But it is it is interesting when you go like this is what we'll do when the season ends. You'll go back and you'll look at the season and you'll go game by game and you'll be like, holy crap, this team was talented enough to win literally 12 to 13 games this year. Mm-hmm. Like if, ba- if if Fields is healthy and you don't blow the three games, you're at least 12 and five. So it's just an interesting way to look at next year and look at the possibilities of momentum as long as everyone's healthy about how good you can be, especially if you add those, uh, those next players. And then real quick, I looked at the cap space. They have the seventh most cap space in the NFL next year, $60 million to spend. And how about this? The Bears have some of the lowest dead money in the NFL in 2024, only 859,000 in dead money. Which is a really, that really good go job. Give it, that could go th- up. There are some decisions that are going to be made. Yeah. Yeah. Cody Whitehair. Uh, yeah, Eddie Jackson, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that'll definitely go up. But uh, interesting now, at least, that it, that, that figure is, mm. is, is small. So, 
Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about this actual game. I mean, we kind of we've kind of danced around it. it a little bit. Um, but you go to Lambeau, place that you've obviously struggled. I read the Justin Fields stats uh, against Green Bay in his career. They're not very good. Uh, has a, a opportunity to turn the narrative here. Bears are obviously hot. Packers are fighting for their playoff lives. They're going to be very motivated. I think the Bears, if you ask anyone on that team, they will be equally as motivated to win this game. I mean, Kevin, I've seen a lot of tweets this week. Oh, Jordan Love in his first year as a starter has had the better best yeah, season. Me I mean, it's true. Statistically, that's true. Statistically, he has had a better season than any Bears quarterback. That does suck. However, let's not go around and start anointing Jordan Love as the next big. Like, he's he's good. He's, you know, he's had a good season. Don't get me wrong. Jordan Love is a decent player. I'm not ready to get him fitted for his Hall of Fame jacket quite yet. He's had one good year. Obviously, it could have been better maybe if if Christian Watson's healthy the entire year, Aaron Jones is healthy the entire year. That hasn't happened. But not going to make out the Green Bay Packers to be some sort of boogeyman this year. They're fine. There is a reason that they have to win this game to get into the playoffs because they're about average. They're not They're not that much better than you are as a team right now, especially given the way that the Bears' defense is playing. And what have we seen from Jordan Love all year? He's prone to making mistakes. He'll turn the ball over. You know what the Bears' defense has done for the last, like, four or five weeks? force a hell of a lot of turnovers and most of those being interceptions. You've had TJ Edwards have a couple picks. You've had Tremaine Edwards have a pick pick six. You've had Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon be all around the ball. You had Tyreek Stevenson make insane athletic plays the last couple of weeks, which by the way, Tyreek Stevenson might be really, really good. That guy might be awesome. There you go. He might be awesome. So, and that's not even like, like Terrell Smith might be really good too. And he's just kind of forced into that third nickel or third corner role, which is insane. Mm -hmm. I digress. The point being that this is a bears defense that is playing really, really well right now and is playing a, at a high level. in one aspect that Jordan love has struggled with at times this year. So you and Kevin, this is your favorite thing to say. You win the turnover battle. You're proud. How do you, how do you lose this game? You force Jordan Love to make a couple of mistakes. I don't know. Like, again, how do you lose the game? The answer is by Justin Fields equally giving the ball over to the defense. But point being that the Bears defense is playing really well and forcing a lot of turnovers right now. And Jordan Love has been prone to turn the ball over at times. Not saying that he that he can't go zero interceptions in this game. But, again, opportunity cost. I say it a lot. Like, the Bears defense has capitalized on these opportunities in the last couple of weeks. I think you have another prime position here to do the same. Yeah. I mean, the thing that'll hold Jordan Love back in this game and his entire career, and the reason I'll never be Aaron Rodgers and all of this, he is not a good thrower of the deep ball. He is a terrible thrower of the deep ball. I won't say terrible, but he's not a good thrower of the deep ball. If you try, if like try, try put, make Jordan Love beat you on the deep ball. And if they sure. beat you, so be it. But from what we know right now, he ain't a good thrower of the deep ball. And he gets really lucky a lot of times with balls and a lot of interceptable passes down the field. Um, so that is the key. And you're right. The Bears defense, I believe, is third in the NFL in takeaways this year. Third in the NFL in takeaways. And I believe they lead the NFL in interception. They've had 16 in the last six weeks. It's incredible. But the real thing I'm looking at in this game is the Green Bay Packers defense is horrible. They're terrible. They are awful. People in Green Bay have been calling for Joe Barry's head all season long, yes, defensive coordinator Joe Barry. I mean, they are they are done with him. 
And you look at some of the performances recently, you know, the, the Buccaneers dropping 34 on them uh, at uh, on the road. The Buccaneers were on the road a couple weeks ago. The Panthers just dropped 30 on them. The Panthers hadn't scored 30 all year. And yep. they just dropped 30 and should have won the game. Although Bryce Young, to be fair, Packers has looked really good the last couple of weeks. He's looked a lot better. Sure. But it's the Panthers, it's the Panthers. with leading receiver Adam Thielen. Yes. Like, and, and, and running back Chuba Hubbard. Like, what are we doing here? 30 <laughs> points? They just lost to the Giants on December 11th. You know, they, they, they lost to the Steelers, who are okay. They lost to the Raiders earlier in the year. They lost to the Falcons earlier in the year. The thing that's interesting about the Bears in comparison to the Packers this year is the Bears with Justin Fields haven't really lost to a bad team this year. Like, they haven't lost. Like, they've handled business against bad teams. They've handled their they've, – they've lost to good teams. They lost to the Browns. They lost the to the Broncos Lions. a bad team. Okay, you can consider the Broncos a bad team. I don't consider the Buccaneers a bad team, personally. No, they at they this might point, win the division. They win the division. You're right. So if you want to consider the Broncos a bad team, then especially, okay, at the time, they especially were a bad team. Yes. So you can count that one. You can count that one. But again, you know, the Bears haven't really lost too many bad teams. They've handled business against bad teams. The Packers have lost to some bad teams in some bad fashions. Like if you go back to that Giants game mm-hmm. where Jordan Love threw that, you know, backbreaking interception, he had a couple other interceptable passes, did not look good. The offense couldn't get going at all. They stuffed the run. Like you can shut down the Green Bay Packers in these games where they're losing to bad teams, if you stop their rushing attack. You look at a lot of these games where they're losing. Aaron Jones, 50 yards. A.J. Dillon, 50 yards. They can't get anything going. And guess what? We talk about it week after week. The Bears have the best run defense in the NFL right now. The best run defense in the NFL. You ain't running on the Chicago Bears as they're currently constructed. It's not happening. The same team from the, the, the Chicago Bears right now are not the same team from week one. They're just not. They're different in a million different ways. So if you're a Packers fan, you want to go, what about what happened week one? Cry me a damn river. This is a different team on almost every facet. Every facet of the team, they're different and they're better. So you can't just walk in here with Aaron Jones and with A.J. Dillon and expect to run all over the Chicago Bears this time around. It ain't freaking happening. So you're going to have to force Jordan Love to make some plays. And if you force him to do that, he's going to make mistakes against the secondary that's really good. Jalen Johnson should be playing. I know he was held out with injury, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yesterday, but they today. expect him to play. More of a precautionary yep. thing um, just to get him right and healthy. And the same goes for Cole Komet. But, like, who who, who on their offense is beating Jalen Johnson? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaden Reed might be good, but he ain't beating Jalen Johnson. Tyreek Stevenson, you just talked about, is, is becoming one of the best picks of that rookie class on the defensive side of the ball. NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, yeah, you're not beating Jalen. You're not beating him. Like I just, the matchup favors the Bears. It does. Sure. In fact, the matchup favors the Chicago Bears. And to your point about this being a different team, I mean, Week One, you didn't have Montez Sweat. George Pickens has played Good much point. better over the last couple George weeks. Pickens. Or George uh, Gervon Dexter. Why is it George? Oh, I mix. I I combined Gervon Dexter and George Pickens and Zach Pickens together for some reason. Uh, Gervon Dexter has played much better over the last four or five weeks. He's he had another good game against Atlanta as well. So no no Montez Sweat. Your rookies on the line have started to play a little bit better. Justin Jones has actually quietly had a very good year as well. So you know things have improved for sure. Tremaine Edmonds has finally shown up, and obviously the rookies in the secondary have continued to get better. Um, so that's a big part of this as well. And so you're right. I, I think that Aaron Jones is going to torch you again. It's going to have to be Jordan Love, and I just don't have a lot of confidence that he's capable of doing that. And so I think that, obviously, it's going to be in Lambeau. The conditions are going to be shitty. It's going to be cold. But 
I, I think that you have, like, it was bad weather this past week against Atlanta, too. That wasn't the most fun conditions. It was snowing half the game. So, you know, Crazy. the Bears now have, the you know, the precedent of playing in bad weather, too. So I, I agree with you. I think that Green Bay, if they think they're going to win the same way that they did in week one, they have another thing coming because this is not the same team. It, the, the scheme has changed. The personnel has changed. And the talent has changed because, quite frankly, the talent, even though it's mostly the same guys, you know, obviously you had Montez Sweat. But guys have gotten better as the year has gone on. And so, and obviously, Mandel Four is not an idiot. He's still a good coach. I'm sure he's aware of this. He doesn't need us telling him this. But I think that you're in for a closer game. I think that is just a fact of the matter. I, and again, this is me saying this, I have confidence that the Bears can make this a game and possibly even win the game. I am, I, I have that confidence too. And when you look at the defensive side of the ball for Green Bay, Again, we talk about how bad they are, mm-hmm. allowing all these points to bad teams and then wanting Joe Barry to get fired. Let's read their rush defense, all right? Opponent yards per rush, 4.5, 26 in the NFL. Opponent rush yards per game, 131.6 against one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL and the Chicago Bears, 28th in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers are in that they're 22nd opponent rush hitties per game. Now, they're a little better on the passing side. You know, they're fifth in the NFL, or sorry, they're 11th in the NFL on opponent pass yards per game, but they're middle of the road in sack percentage. They don't get after the quarterback that much. Justin Fields shouldn't be under a lot of duress, especially the way the offensive line is playing and how good Donald Wright is. And Rashawn Gary's a decent player, but he's not a game wrecker for the Packers at this point in his career yet. He's gotten a lot better, though, and he deserves some some respect for sure. Um, but I don't think you, like, fear him the way you would fear, like, a Max Crosby or a Miles Garrett. You know what I mean? You don't have to, like, double him every play. I think Donald Wright can hold his own against him and the way Donald Wright has been playing uh this year so you know opponent completion percentage 17 65 like again mediocre pass defense terrible rush defense so i think the bears are gonna see that and try to take that approach and they should but you have to keep firing through the air like you you, you can't do what you did week one where you were doing toss crack on second and 10 you were trying to beat them because you thought you had an advantage in the trenches right and let's be clear too Like, in that game, it felt like Justin Fields was under duress a lot. And I think part of – we chalked that up a little bit to the fact that there was a lot of rotation in the offensive line throughout training camp, it felt. Like, we didn't know who was in, who was out. There was injuries, right? So, them playing in that game felt like their first action as a full unit, and they just weren't ready to play as a unit. And they've come a really long way from that. Again, Donald Wright was a rookie at the time. He's grown incredibly. Braxton Jones looked really good. Tevin Jenkins is fully healthy. Nate Davis has been iffy. You have your center now on Lucas Patrick, who's been eh, but he's at least been there for a little while now. You like, you know that he's the guy. So you have a better offensive line that I think will protect Justin Fields, and you have to win the game through the air. Like you can rush on them all you want. But if you want to come out with a significant win and you want to stick it to him, you have to win through the air. And I think you'll be able to do it. But it's going to come down to Luke Getty's play calling because mm-hmm. that was what killed us in week one. Like there was not a lot of like there was not a lot of bad plays Justin Fields made. Like he didn't. I think he threw a couple. Did he throw one pick in that game or two? Maybe two. Um, two. But I don't know if they were that bad. Like they weren't like terrible decisions. But it felt like for most of the game. The play calling was preventing you from moving the ball uh, pretty well. And again, he was under duress a lot in that game, like had like no time to throw. And I remember that being one of the biggest storylines after the game was like, Justin Fields has no time. Here we go again with the same offensive line issues. Yep. So going back to that same point about how different this team is from week one, like there's two more aspects. The play calling isn't that different, but the offensive line is different. And when you give Justin Fields time in the pocket, he's going to produce. So I don't want the Bears... 
like do what you've done the past couple weeks. Don't approach this game as, hey, let's win 17-13 and destroy time and possession through running the ball. No. Especially with the Green Bay Packers, you walk in, you start aggressive, you say, we're going to score, and then we're we're keeping that foot on the gas pedal. We're winning the game 37-17 to like we did against Atlanta. We are not stopping. We are putting our – we're going all in on beating your ass and sending a damn message to you and the rest of the division. And that has to be a mentality, and you have to do that through the air. So – and again, like we talked about it. If, you, if you're still waiting for an answer on Justin Fields, like if you are, if you're yeah. – Ryan Poles, Matt DeBerflutes, and you're waiting for the answer, and this game is the litmus test. I don't think it is, but say that they're talking about that at House Hall then yes, put the ball in his hands. Mm -hmm. Make Justin Fields win the game for you. And he is capable of doing that the way this team has played recently. So I I don't know. Maybe it's just like the hatred of the Packers bleeds into me every time. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't know. The, the matchup favors them. And I think at this point, the Bears are the better team. They've played like the better team the past six weeks than the Packers have. They just have. I Yeah, I agree with that. And I think they're much closer they're closer to what we thought in the beginning of the year than than they were like six weeks ago. So let's say it that way. Like they're mm -hmm. they're not the the talent gap is not as wide as we thought mid season or even after week one after that loss. I think it's much closer to what we originally thought. So yeah. all that being said, uh, let's get into some bold predictions, uh, Kevin. I mean, we'll start with you. You're the one that you say you're, they're going to make a statement. What do you got? Uh, yeah, I think they're going to make a statement. I think the team's confidence is at all-time high, and I think Justin Fields' confidence is at an all-time high. I think it's a three-total touchdown performance, which isn't really that bold of a prediction, but three total touchdowns, a couple through the air, maybe one on the ground. Um, I, I think it's just like, boom, attack. You know, boom, boom, boom. You're not guarding DJ Moore. He's going to get open, right? Like, down the field, Scott, Cole Komet, do what you got to do. You know, John Mooney still in concussion protocol. Probably won't see him on Sunday. Scares me a little bit. I mean, that doesn't really scare me much, but there'll be more affirmation as why you need Marvin Harrison Jr. and a, and a uh, yes, a second wide receiver. But I think three total touchdowns for Justin Fields. I think he's going to be very aggressive. I think he's going to be firing away. So that's what I'm going with for both prediction on the offensive side of the ball. Justin Fields, full aggressiveness, attacking downfield, produces three total touchdowns. I like that. I do think Fields has a path to a, a good game here. Uh, I struggle because he hasn't gotten over 300 yards this year since that Broncos game in week four. I will say, though, I think for the third time this year, he gets at least 275 uh, passing yards. I think he gets to that. Uh, I'll, I'll say two touchdowns just because that's kind of been the norm uh, the last couple weeks for him. Uh, you know, one through the air, one on the ground. I'll, I think he runs that back. But I will say that I, I think that one of his touchdowns is one of those patented Justin Fields long runs. We almost saw it against the Falcons where I don't know how he got out of that, that sack on that third down play, but Oh my God. Um, I, I think we get a patented Justin Fields, 50 plus yard touchdown run in this game. You talk about the Packers and they're banged up on defense and they are vulnerable there. I think that that comes to fruition with a Justin Fields, very long 50 plus yard touchdown run uh, this week. Against the Packers. I do think he'll have a good game, though. Uh, you know, I'll say 25 for 35 for 277 and a touchdown each on the ground through the air. And, you know, just to piggyback off this real quick, 
for the entirety of Mitch's career here, we mm-hmm. talk so much about quarterback confidence and the influence that has on the play at the position. Sure. And we haven't talked about it a lot with Justin Fields because, quite frankly, there hasn't been a lot of moments or stretches where he could build confidence, right? He's getting sacked a lot. He's making mistakes earlier in his career. And, and there wasn't there was a little bit of a stretch last year where he built confidence. And you saw that game over mm-hmm. game, like the Dolphins game, the, the Eagles game, the Bills game, like against some of the best teams in the NFL. Too, it was all on really ground. Well. <clears throat> not, not all on the ground, but Most. yeah, a lot of it was on the ground. 85%. So now success through the air, success as a team. The confidence is at an all time high. And I, I, mm-hmm. I went to Ohio State. I've watched Justin Fields for all this time. Okay. When you give that guy confidence, and when he's on a mission to prove something, you're fucked. You are. Watch Ohio State versus Clemson, this college football playoff semifinal. The dude broke his ribs and threw six touchdowns. All right? He was on a mission because though they lost them the year before because of a bullshit targeting penalty. They were on a mission to win the game. Full confidence, full aggressiveness. It wasn't even close. Justin Fields was on one. And I think they've got that same mentality. The confidence that this team has right now is at an all-time high. You talked about the vibes being like Club Dub-esque. I said this is the best vibes this team has had since 2018. The confidence is at an all-time high. The confidence in each other is at an all-time high. And I think mm-hmm. Justin Fields' confidence is at an all-time high. And again, really, I made a graphic the, the week he came back from injury. said something to prove. Justin Fields has something to prove. And he's proved it the past six games. Mm-hmm. And this is the last step to prove it. And when you give him that task and that mission to go prove himself, and has the confidence that he has, he is going to produce, and he's going to be a killer and be a dog. So that's what I'm expecting. From what I know about Justin Fields from watching him back in college, when he's determined and, and confident, there's like no stopping him. And was that not evident last week? I mean, dude was throwing, firing missiles through the snow. Like, he yeah. did not care. Firing, I, that's you know, what I was going to say. That last week, I think, was the perfect encapsulation of that. The touchdown throw yep. to DJ Moore was an incredibly high-level throw. Even the ball that Tyler Scott should have caught in the in the end zone, that was a well-thrown ball. So I think you agree. You're saying you're seeing this with Justin Fields where his confidence as a passer, because we've seen it before where, let, let's say, the Tyler Scott drop like that happens and Justin Fields kind of goes away from it. He, he doesn't, you know, make that decision as quickly. He doesn't fire the ball with as much conviction and he still continued to throw the ball well last week. So, you know, he's not, it doesn't seem like he's deterred by drops or the mistakes uh, of by the receivers as much as he was in the past. And let's be honest, that game happened last week too, without Cole Komet, he was active, but he didn't play. He was out there as a decoy for a handful of plays. So it was the DJ Moore show. You saw that. It's why I beat Kevin in our third place game in our fantasy league. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, But, you know, the DJ Moore touchdown especially was one of the highest level throws I've seen Justin Fields make. And I don't know if I've ever seen him make that throw with that much conviction. Yes, it was a great catch, too. It's on both of them. They were both high level plays by each player. But. My point being that Justin Fields, I, I agree. I think you're seeing the confidence grow as a passer. And so, you know, we'll get into it. The game prediction, Bears are three-point dogs at Lambeau with a chance to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. What do you think, Kevin? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I mean, if you listen to the first 40 minutes of the episode, I think it's clear where I'm going with the game. I mean, I think they win. I think they make a statement. I think they come out confident. I think they kick him in the jaw and don't look back. I really do. I mean, they've been doing this. They've been making a statement early. The characteristic of the Chicago Bears throughout the year, even in their struggles early on, was they've been pretty damn good in the first quarter. They've been pretty damn good to start the game. We talked about Luke Getze's script calls on those first few drives. They look really good. And now they have the defense to hold that lead. So I think they walk in. And they even did this last year. They even did this last year in Lambeau. I remember they walked in. I think they went up like 10-0 last year on the road in that first game at Lambeau. Uh, I think that was Sunday Night Football. They walked in. They kicked them in the mouth. They had a lead, and they blew it uh, because they didn't have a defense that was any good. I think they're going to walk in. They're going to do what they've done all year. If they win the toss, they're going to elect to receive, right? Which I think has been a really interesting nugget that we haven't really yeah. talked about too much. But the fact that they've been electing to receive, and obviously people believe the smart thing to do is to defer. Receive, go down, kick them in the mouth, score a touchdown, don't look back. Let your defense make plays, get a takeaway, keep pouring it on, pouring it on. Um, I don't think it's going to be like 50 to 14. Uh, like Not like that type of ass kicking, but I think like it's not as reflected in the score. But if you watch the entirety of the game, on CBS, you're going to see the Bears would dom- dominate, mm-hmm. dominate the Green Bay Packers. 31-24, Bears win. They take the lead. They never look back. Maybe the Packers score in garbage time. I- I'm sorry. From what I've seen from this team the past six weeks, this is a warranted prediction. This has yeah, been one of the better teams in the NFC the past six, seven weeks of the season. The defense is great. They're getting turnovers and the offense is playing with confidence. And when you have any team that plays with confidence and plays for each other the way they are, they are going to be a winning football team. I think they kick him in the mouth. I think they send a message to this dumbass football team in Green Bay. And I'm just charged up. I'm juiced up. I'm, I'm ready for Sunday, Jake. This episode just got me going. I'm, I'm jacked. Let's go. 31-24, Bears win. All right. Uh, I agree with you on, on almost everything you said. I think that this Bears team is hot. They have an opportunity to end the season winning five of their last six, ended on a three-game win streak, and end the season on a high note and end the season feeling good about yourself, having knocked your arch rival in their own house out of the playoffs. And I think that's a very good feeling to go into an offseason with a lot of opportunity that you're going to have into that offseason. And I think that the team, like you said, the defense is playing really great. They've played like a top five unit the last couple of weeks specifically, you know, like a top 10 unit the last back half of the season for the most part. And I think Justin Fields has a lot of confidence right now. And I think especially if Jalen Johnson and Cole Komet are going to play in this game, which it looks like they will, they didn't practice today because of maintenance and their bears are holding them out to try and get them healthy, get them ready to go. Especially if those guys are going to be there, I think you, this is going to be a game that you can definitely win. And I think Justin Fields, this is an opportunity to say, "This is my team. Let's do this. I'm ready. Like I'm ready to take this into next year and earn that next contract." I have a feeling the the Bears will still decline that fifth year option just because I think it's a smart business move. They'll because it is a fully guaranteed option, so they'll probably decline that. But I think Justin Fields to say, "Well, I ended the year great. I I'm on the upswing." I could carry this in the next year and get that contract and be here a very, very long time. And 
So I think that that's on the table. And I'm we're close, Kevin. I think that the Bears win this game 31 to 20. I think this is a two score game. I think, like you said, it, it's a game that might is probably if you watch the game is going to look not as competitive as the box score makes it seem. So I think it's going to be a two score game. I think the Bears end this year on a high note. And again, this is me saying this. Let's all remember. Yeah, who what universe are we in right so I, it's shocking to me, too. Uh, but. I think they win this game. I think that you genuinely are the better team right now. I think that you end the year back-to-back 30-plus point games, and I think you carry it into next year. Let's go! <laughs> I'm so fucking ready now. I am so ready. I wasn't like – like, I needed this a little bit to get me jacked up for this game because, again, like, it's hard a little bit just because it's not – there's no playoff invocations right. for us. But, like, everything that this means to beat the shit out of this <laughs> – crap-ass organization in the Green Bay Packers. The hatred runs deep through our blood. I, I, I will be watching this. I mean, is it is it like annoying to say like this is our Super Bowl? I don't want to say that. That's like dumb. That, 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 I mean, it's cliche, right? but... It's cliche. But I mean, like, it's, it's your biggest game. It's your biggest game. So, I'm locked in. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, we are simpatico for the last time on a Bears win, and we'll see how that goes for us. But... Uh, you know, we gave you 45 minutes breaking it down. So hope you guys enjoyed. We will be back next week to do our season finale, our recap of the entire season, our first look at offseason needs and what we're hoping to see in the beginning of the offseason. Um, we'll probably do Wednesday to allow any coaching news or any rust, anything that might happen. But regardless, we'll be here. We'll break it down and we'll spin it forward to the 2024-25 season and what we're hoping to see. But until then, this has been Bears Nation Podcast, our final preview episode of the year for myself and for kevin thank you guys we appreciate you as always we'll see you next week and until then bear down bear down